Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. My name is Kevin Rockness, and I am the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant. You may be a little bit confused because we're recording on Halloween, so I'm currently in my lead pastor Brad Kendall costume. So well done. it's very deceptive. <laughs> um, you, may, you may not be able to tell the difference. But Brad is not here today. Today I'm joined by Pastor Sarah. Yeah. Thanks for being here with us. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's always good to have Sarah around. Um, so we've been going through this Objections to Christianity series over the last couple of weeks, and we've talked about um, objections to Christianity, about suffering, about politics, about whether or not there really is a single exclusive path to God. Today, we're going to be talking about a common objection that many of us have seen, and that just simply is the idea that all we have to do is just be good people, Right? Like, that's that's all that really matters. No matter what religion a person practices, or maybe no religion, or maybe they're agnostic or an atheist, um, whatever it is, um, just, just be a good person no matter what you are. So when you hear that sentiment, what does that make you start thinking? Well, I mean, from a Christian worldview, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> sure. So that's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, there are several places in the text where it clearly says, if, in terms of salvation, if we're talking about life after this place on earth and how we're supposed to live our lives modeled on Jesus. The, the clearly, you know, he says, I'm in the way, the truth, and the life. It doesn't say, just be good and you're fine. Mm-hmm. So um, it's the call to, to be disciples, to be followers. If we do that well, then we are good people. Mm-hmm. Um and so the, the, the natural outgrowth of our commitment to Christ is goodness, uh, one of the fruits of the Spirit. Um, but that's not, the, that's not what we were designed to do. Yeah. And that's not the goal of Christianity either, is not to right. make us good people. It's to make us holy people. Mm-hmm. So how would, how would you define that difference between good and holy? Or is there a difference? Yeah, I mean, to me, like, holy is, is definitely something that is aligned with um, who God is, right? So it's mm-hmm. a, there's this, a direct co- correlation to something bigger and um, much more impressive than just who we are as human beings. And so the goal of becoming holy or being holy is, is this continuous pursuit of being in relationship with God and, and allowing that relationship to refine your life. Um, and, and it would be distinctly different from being good mm. um and and i suppose that you could even argue being good might be defined differently from culture to culture yeah. or region to region you know if you were to take a random 50 people off the street and ask them you know to tell you tell me 10 good things you, you get a whole spectrum of stuff right yeah. and so if you were to take um people from different faiths even um and, and pick a topic you know um what does it mean to be a, a, a good eater, right? <laughs> or what does it mean to do a good job with your health? What does it mean to, do, mm-hmm. to be good at exercise? Um, what does it mean to be good at relationships? What does a good relationship look like? I mean, there, like any topic you pick, there's just so, so much variation and uh, possibility when you use the word good. But if you use the word holy, mm. that, that's, that's like a higher, it's purified, it's a higher calling um, yeah. because of its alignment with God. And so... A lot of people would say that really all religions are just about making us good people. Um, neither of us are experts on other religions, um, but I, I don't. 
to my knowledge, I don't think that's what like Islam or Judaism advocates. I don't necessarily think that's what Hinduism or Buddhism advocates either. I mean, I think being a good person would be a part of it, but I don't think it's the whole message of any of the major religions, I don't think. I mean, you have like concepts of like karma, Mm -hmm. which might have to do with goodness or maybe even more like right behavior and, and, you know, and the payback for not choosing right behavior. Um, So there's some concepts that come close, but um, it's just not, I mean, there are people from every faith tradition and no faith tradition who could you you might meet and know and be like that he's a good person she's a good person so right? then that brings kind of another the kind of to the next question of what about people who aren't of the christian faith um whether they're atheists or buddhists or you know any religion or no religion um a lot of those people are good people so why wouldn't they also be going to heaven you know because isn't that what's important well i mean again you know the way what what we understand from reading scriptures the way the way to heaven is through Jesus through a relationship with Jesus so any religion that's that's offering something else isn't in alignment with that mm-hmm. um, so like even Jewish people um, you know we had a, a friends growing up a, a Jewish family really good friends of ours and we used to uh, they used to sell us for a quarter all of their leavened goods uh, just before Passover so we'd get like this big like box of stuff from their kitchen, <laughs> keep it at our house till Passover was done, and then we'd sell it back to them for a quarter. Um, and they were good people, really good mm-hmm. people. And they would say, they would even say that they think that Jesus was a good teacher, that mm-hmm. he was a good yeah. person. They well, don't that's true. understand well, him like, to be the Messiah, Islam though. would hold Jesus as a good teacher, right. and I think Hinduism, Buddhism would as well. Yeah, and, and maybe even some atheists. I mean, he is a historical figure, an actual yeah. real person who lived and um, and did do good things, and there there aren't very many people who would deny that. Right. Um, but there are, obviously, people who would deny his divinity, mm-hmm. and so or that he's the Son of God. So our Jewish friends are still waiting for the Messiah to come, um, although... We as followers of Christ believe he's bad, mm-hmm. right? And and that he'll come again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I've met a lot of people who just have, who really struggle with the idea of, oh, but my friend, they're not a Christian, but they're just mm-hmm. such a good person. And sometimes they're, by a lot of maybe objective measures, better than some Christians. Mm-hmm. What do we do with that? Is that something that should convict us of like, Hey, even other people can live to this standard. We need to do a better job. Like, what yeah. do we? I I really resonate with that because my dad was not a Christian when I was growing up. He grew up in the Methodist church, um, but when he went to college, became agnostic. Mm. Um, and and at the time my parents met, that's that's how he would have defined himself. Um, and and as they were getting seri- more serious in their relationship, my mom said, "Well, if we get married and have kids, I want to be able to bring kids to church, and I'm going to raise them to know and love Jesus the way I do." And you can't get in the way of that. And, and he's like, I won't. Just don't expect me to participate in it. And I remember um, mostly junior high. My memories go back to, like, junior high, maybe the very beginning of high school, um, being really sad because my, I think my dad's amazing. Like, I mm-hmm. think he's a great guy. And he, he, he was a good dad, and he did lots of good things. But he didn't believe in Jesus. And so what I was learning in my Sunday school classes and everywhere else is that he wasn't going to go to heaven. I'm like, who wouldn't want my dad in heaven? Like, right. he's amazing. Um, and, and it is a, a very difficult place to be. All I know is, you know, what Scripture tells us. Now, what, you know, 
when, when we pass from this life into the next, is there a moment when we get to get it right if we've gotten it wrong the whole time? I don't know. Maybe. Like, there's a part of me that would like to believe that because then I don't have to be so devastated about these really good people who aren't going to make it where I want them to be. Side note, my dad did become a Christian when I was in high school, so I'm not... I'm not falling apart over him anymore, but there are mm -hmm. other people that yeah. are important to me. Same thing, right? They're good people, living good, decent lives, but um, but without that faith in Jesus, you know, their their uh, place in heaven's not assured, mm -hmm. right? Is that unfair? Um, it, it feels unfair to me when you're talking about populations that haven't had the chance to hear about mm -hmm. hear about Jesus yet. Um, and, and there are plenty of those around the world, right? Yeah. And kids, you know, especially little kids, you know, growing up and all that kind of thing. And um, and so there is a piece of that, that, which is why I think, you know, in Sarasota's theology, I would love for there to be a moment when I get to stand face to face with God. And I think if I could stand in the presence of God and still deny that he exists, well, <laughs> there's no hope for me then, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. But, if, but I feel like if we get that moment and you see God in all his glory, like every heart would be convicted. Yeah. And, and does he give that last minute chance? I don't know. Okay. I, I sure would love it, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's so many unknowns in all of this. Um, so we've kind of answered this question of does Christianity call us to be good? Yes, it does. But again, not for that purpose. And it also kind of begs the question of who defines good? If God's defining good, God's standard is yeah. way higher. Yeah. Um, but like we said earlier, our conceptions of good are mm -hmm. cultural. They're based on time. They're based on different, you know, locations and all that. Mm -hmm. um, so what? How do we handle that part of it? Of of a conversation with someone who's maybe advocating for this idea of just be a good person. Do you then ask, okay, how do you define good? I mean, I think it gets a lot of money. It, it, from our from our position as followers of Jesus, if we're inviting people to live a life also following Jesus, then the goal is not to be good. Mm -hmm. The goal is to be Christ-like, mm -hmm. right? And so our job then is to get to know the person of Jesus so much, right? And, and we find him in Scripture. So you go find him there and pattern your life in that way. And, and with every breath you take, try to be more and more like him. In doing that, goodness is a byproduct, right? But so is patience and peace and kindness and <laughs> all, all kinds of things. So, so I think, I think the more accurate goal is to be Christ-like, to be Christ followers. Um, there is a point in Scripture where Jesus says, "Why do you call me good? No one is good but God." Mm. So he even, even he in his human form is acknowledging the the, the most ultimate good is God the Father. Um, he's a part of that we get kind of messed up be yeah. with the humanity divinity simultaneously in, uh, present in Jesus but but um, yeah it's you know he he's always got his eye as a human being walking earth he's always got his eye on God the Father right so uh, throughout his story in the Gospels there are so many moments where he's praying and he's with or he's pointing the disciples to or he's talking about, um, you know, and even religious leaders when he's teaching, like he's always got his eyes on God the Father. And so if that's his goal and our goal is to be like him, then through him, our eyes go to the Father also, right? Mm, yeah. So so the goal isn't actually to be good. Mm -hmm. It's to be like Jesus. 
Yeah, I love that. Um, I, my train of thought, just because I was listening <laughs> I to you, and I was like, that's so good. And I had another question on my mind um, of how to phrase this. Um, so if, wow, it's really blank. I'm going to move to a different question that I had um, that I thought of um, since uh, you're a children's pastor, and this is going to be maybe a little bit less specific to this conversation, um, but for families, when they, um, when the kids maybe come home from school and they've heard different objections from their classmates or something, or they have questions that are, you know, coming from outside sources out, from outside the home, mm -hmm. um, how do you recommend that parents kind of handle those conversations when their kids are encountering some of these objections, whether it's this one or any objection to Christianity. Yeah, one of the one of the things I've learned through the years, and I and I would encourage every parent or grandparent, aunt, uncle, any adult who gets to interact with the kids, um, to cultivate is the ability to make the conversational space safe mm -hmm. first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Right. So when your kids come to you with thoughts, ideas, questions, and they might be they might feel threatening to you, they might feel wacky to you, they might feel silly to you. And how you respond in the moment is, it not only makes that conversation accessible or inaccessible, it makes future ones accessible or inaccessible as well. So, um, I, you know, the, the first is to be just good listeners. Like, what is it that your son or daughter is trying to share with you? And because if they're coming to you, it registered enough that they're like, I want help with this, or I want somebody else to, to process this with me. They might actually not form that thought in their head, but they're bringing it to you, right? It's It was something that captured their imagination, something they're wondering about, something they're confused about, and they're coming to you. And so every, everything in, in your body language and in your initial response, um, if you can, um, you know, make that be a positive experience, like an encourage, you know, like, Oh, that's such a great question. Or I'm so glad you, you're taking a few minutes to talk with me about this. Or anything that you can say that just affirms the fact that they've brought this conversation to the table, mm -hmm. I think is the first thing you want to do. And even, then, even or especially if it's something that they're bringing up that you're like, whoa, that's not what I want them to right, be right. thinking. Right, especially, or, right? Yep. I mean, how many times uh, kids draw really interesting pictures sometimes. Yes. And a lot of what they're processing internally can come out in pictures. It's not always that, but a lot of times. So sometimes kids can deliver to your hands a really disturbing looking picture. <laughs> and you're like, oh my goodness, my kid is possessed by demons. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, it, it can be kind of, and so just taking a breath and be like, well, tell me what, tell me about this picture. Tell me what's mm -hmm. in it. Tell me more. You know, why, why would you, why, um, why did this capture your imagination? You know, anything that you can get to sort of draw them out. Because by the time they're done explaining it, it may just be a totally normal picture. It's just, they picked a red crayon, and so it looks like it's yeah. angry and everybody's dying and bl there's blood everywhere. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So it's, again, creating those safe spaces, pausing, whatever's getting triggered inside of you, keep, just hold it for a moment. I'm not saying ignore it or push it away necessarily, but just hold it mm -hmm. so that you can fully listen and understand what their question or concern is and then and then be and if you're in a space where you're like i don't think i can have this conversation very well right now um you, you could you could stall the conversation how you stall it makes a difference so yeah. you'd be like this is a great question how about let's get a cup of hot chocolate first and then mm -hmm. and then go sit in the living room yeah. so maybe just moving will give you enough you know a little chunk of minutes for you to kind of think through how am i going to respond to this 
or have the right demeanor, right? You or, might buy yourself or even some time. something like, hey, this is a great question. Maybe let's address this when we get home. Or, yeah, yeah just, yeah. 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 You, you want to keep those spaces available. And when we do that well with kids from the time they're little, then when you get to the teen years, when, when the questions are deeper, bigger, whatever, um, you've, you've built this relationship and this space where your kids know you're a safe person. Mm -hmm. And they'll bring you those bigger concerns, wh whether they have to do relationships or being picked on at school or a teacher who's being unfair or grades or their own sense of their identity. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many things that, that can um, be really heavy. And we are seeing more and more uh, upper, upper grade school age kids, middle school, high school kids really, really uh, struggling with anxiety and struggling with depression. And again, having created some space where kids feel safe talking to you um, may just give you the platform you need to have that crucial conversation at just the right time. So that's a skill. It's worth developing. Yeah. Uh, and you know, if you need help, you know, find somebody who can mentor you in that or coach you in that. You know, someone who's down the road a little further. Um, but being that they call it a non-anxious presence, mm, yeah. um, to to capture that in those conversations with your kids. I, I do remember being in the car with my younger brother um, once. We were just driving down the highway. He was just barely in college, I'm, and I'm four years older than he is. Um, and he said to me, you know, I don't think I believe in God anymore. Mm. And I could have been like, oh, what? <laughs> you can't say it. Don't let mom hear you say it. Like, I could have just reacted with all this emotion. And, and I said, I said, that's really interesting. It's, I said, why do you think that? You know, and, and he tried to explain it. And it was quiet for a minute, and I said, well, I said, the good news, Peter, is that, is that the God I believe in is big enough to give you the space to, to work through this the way you need to work through yeah. it, and, and he'll be waiting for you on the other side. And it diffused the conversation. I don't think he thought I would re respond <laughs> that way, right? Like, yeah. And that, it's that He expected calm, maybe more of the panic anxious, response. Yeah, I just yeah. think, and I don't know that he was necessarily trying to get that response out of right. me. I think he just assumed that's what it would be. And the fact that I was calmer and more thoughtful um, was a bridge builder, right? Yep. And we've had lots of, he's still not a Christian, but I mean, we've had lots of subsequent conversations mm -hmm. where he really respects my opinion. Um, and I think, you know, those are the building blocks you're trying to put in place. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, I don't know if the microphones are picking it up, but I think there's some music rehearsal <laughs> going on next door. If they so, would pick up. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea if it's being picked up, but if Sarah and I break out into song, that's why. Yeah. Uh, we have our background so tune, so yeah. da da da. Um, I did remember the question I was going to ask, and this kind of brings us back to um, the subject of like just being a good person. And I think, I think part of what lies at the heart of this objection is, well, I mean, at the heart of any objection to Christianity is spiritual warfare on oh, some level. Sure. Um, and I think part of what some of these objections do is they get away from... Um, it, it's it's an intentional effort to make us not think about whether or not it's true. Mm. Because if we just focus on if Christianity is true, we're not then asking questions about, oh, how good of a person should you be? Mm. What do you think about that? Like mm -hmm. how much of that is just, how much of this is just a distraction from yeah. the question of, is this true? Yeah, I, that word distraction is a good one. I, you know, from... From day one, we've had a target on our backs that mm -hmm. the enemy is going after. And and the thing that he's probably most concerned about is that we would figure out our identity in Christ. Yeah. And that we would step toward that being more Christ-like day by day. 
Um, that That's the actual threat to him and his plan, is that that would happen. So his tactic is confuse, distract, mm -hmm. you know, like like make us double guess or wonder, make us too busy to care about trying to cultivate a Christ-like attitude. Um, and, and, and then on top of that, um, taking advantage of, of you know, just the bad things that happen in life sometimes, mm. right? And so, you know, a bad breakup and you suddenly think, well, God's not real. He couldn't, he doesn't, he must not love me because if he loved me, he wouldn't have let this happen. Or somebody in your family gets cancer. Same thing. God must not be real. He doesn't love me. He wouldn't have let that happen. Mm. And, and we get, we get off track. We get, you know, bent out of shape, um, because of the work of the enemy. Um, and, and I'm not, not saying that necessarily he throws cancer our way, but he can warp our thinking around right. something like that. Um, and so, again, <laughs> the goal to be Christ-like, right? To just be like, even in the midst of crisis, like my, I feel like my world's falling apart. How can I be more Christ-like in mm -hmm. this? You know, how, how, can I, how can I do this well? Um, I mean, I'll just, I guess I'll just share like when, uh, when, when my husband left, um, that was one thing that was in the front of my head was how I deal with this, how I process this, how I live through this is a model for my kids. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to navigate my own piece of it so well that they would have a model for any, any other kind of crisis that might come in their life. Mm -hmm relational or otherwise um and so i i wanted to be like what would i how can i how can i go after the heart of god when my heart is breaking mm. um and so it was like that that kind of work and it's getting the right people around you it's getting the right messages around you it's making sure you figure out how to hear the voice of god before any other voice and i worked really hard at that because boy was satan working over time with negative messaging yeah. You know, you should have done this in your marriage. You should have done that. You're not lovable. You're not this. You're not that. Um, and it was taking me down, down, down. And I had to be like, whoa, okay, that is not Reject who I that. am. Right? Yep. I am a child of God. Let me focus over here. And certainly there were days when I stunk at that. Mm -hmm. You know, I might have woken up with that goal of, like, I'm going to keep my eyes focused on Jesus today. And by the end of the day, I was, like, barely getting out of bed. So yeah. it, it didn't work well every day. Um, but it, but it is, it's doing the stuff that, um, that helps you just get through life and, and doing it in a way that it, it becomes a good model for people who might be watching you. Um, so I, I wanted to do that well with my kids. Um, and, and, you know, down two years down the road now, um, that's the feedback I've heard back from them was mm -hmm. we, we saw you do this and we watched you do this. Um, and so, yeah, it's just reaching out like. When Jesus was in agony, you know, before being arrested in the garden, what did he do? He went to pray. He did go sort of off by himself, but he brought his three closest disciples and was like, can you guys stay here and pray for me? Of course, they failed at that. They fell asleep. <laughs> yep. But you know what I mean? The, that's the model, right? He, yeah. he went to God. He brought people with him who could also, you know, be ministering not just to him, but actually interceding for him. Okay, so when stuff gets really hard for us, who, do we go to God, and do we get people to come and intercede for us? Do we have companions in the journey? Um, that, that's, again, the goal, to be Christ-like. Let's do life the way that Christ did it, and, uh, and not worry about the good, not worry about the negative messaging, because the more we point ourselves in that direction, the better able we are to hear God's voice, which means that we have a measuring stick against which to um, handle all the other stuff in the world, yeah. right? 
be like, that's not me. I don't have to listen to that. That's also not me. I don't have to listen to that. It's not oh. easy work, but it can be done. <laughs> I'm also just kind of laughing because I'm, I'm hearing all this extra noise. It sounds noise. like an organ in the background. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. They're just underscoring what we're talking about. Know, so. It feels very... Uh, it's actually organ music. <laughs> I feel like we're in a cathedral. <laughs> so well, kind of one of the closing thoughts that I had is that, you know, w when I say that, you know, we first have to ask, is Christianity true? That's not to say that these other objections and conversations aren't important. Like, mm -hmm. certainly they are, we need to engage those conversations on their own terms. Um, it's just that sometimes those conversations are a little bit of a distraction from the real question of, is this true? If it is true, then that helps us understand how to address some of these things that we still should absolutely talk about. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, do, it just adds another layer that I think sometimes spiritual warfare is trying to get us to ignore. Yeah. And that's, yeah. yeah, it's always an interesting thing. Well, and I think we get nervous about the work of, of our enemy um, and there could be some fear that gets wrapped up in some of that too. It's important to remember that Christ won. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the victory is ours. Yeah. We're still living out, you know, this space here on earth. But um, when we say yes to Jesus, there's nothing that can separate us from that yes. That's what the Bible uh, tells us and what God promises. And so regardless of good or evil swirling around us in this world, this relationship with Christ is the thing that is going to be... Um, our salvation and and nothing nothing can take that from us yeah uh, whether we get it right or wrong or half right or whatever um so again if if our goal is goodness we might have right behaviors we might treat people well um, we might we might um assume good in somebody else instead of assuming bad like there there is something good in that but but choosing goodness isn't what's gonna defeat the enemy and right. it's not the thing that's gonna get us to eternity with God. Yeah. The relationship with Jesus is what we need. Mm -hmm. um, and and then choosing then to to follow that example and be more like that is going to produce goodness in our yeah. life because he's good. Yeah. Right? I was also, too, just thinking when we see goodness in other people that aren't necessarily Christians, um, I think it's important that we affirm that. Sure. Um, and... The way I see it is when, I, when I'm when i seeing someone who's not a Christian doing good, that is the image of God in them working through that person, whether they mm -hmm. intend it or not, whether they yes. believe it or not. Yes. You know, they're doing something good because God made us to yeah. be in good relationship with each other. Right. And so I, that can be a really interesting conversation piece. Yeah. Of like, <laughs> you know, if someone's approaching you and saying, you know, I'm an atheist, but I try to do good. You know, you can say, "Well, I appreciate that you're doing that," and if yeah. if the if the relationship allows to say, "You know, I think that's God's image in you." What do you think about that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they may you not like that. that. I don't know I if you have that relationship, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I was just as you were talking, I was thinking of um, C.S. Lewis' book, um, "Mere Christianity." Mm, yeah, um, and that's a head trip. I mean, if you, you have yes. to like be well rested and focused when you want to read that book because it's he's or just, any C.S. Lewis well, really. <laughs> true. He's just so smart. Yes. Like, uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, but just this idea that, and, and you see this in kids all the time, we don't have to teach kids right from wrong. Yeah. They innately know it. Yeah. If I'm playing with a truck and someone comes and takes it, you don't have to tell me that that's wrong. It yeah. feels wrong. Yeah. It just 
instinctively, right? And that is that piece of God wired into us, the goodness mm -hmm. of God. Um, and so whether people recognize that they've been made in God's image or not, you know, is one thing, but, but the truth of it is, again, from a Christian worldview mindset, that we are all part of God's creation, and, and we are, we reflect his image. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I mean, I, I think we can always end with C.S. Lewis, but uh, <laughs> are there any other thoughts that you have on this topic as a whole about addressing the objection that all, all that really matters is you just have to be a good person? Yeah, I mean, it just matters to what, right? Mm, Answer yeah. that question, right? All that matters to the world, all that matters to you, mm -hmm. all that matters to my teacher, my political party, my parents, you know. For me, it's what matters to my Savior, well, yeah. that I follow him. Yeah. And, the, and the goodness comes. And all the rest of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Like, when we, we say yes to Jesus, we become his disciples, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. I, I think sometimes we forget to reflect on that, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. you're, like, walking around carrying a piece of God in you. <laughs> and the way you were designed from the very beginning, even before the Holy Spirit came and took up residence, you had a piece of God in you, mm -hmm. right? Like, we're made in his image. Yeah. Um, and so those things should be motivators to something. And I, I think we have these two uh, times of life uh, when we're like more open and receptive to spiritual growth, and one of them is in adolescence. And, and that's where, again, these spaces for conversation make a difference because they're going to be asking spiritual questions. Mm -hmm. And if we're not available to ask those questions someplace else. Mm -hmm. And the answers they get may not reflect, you know, who their creator is. Yeah. Um, and, and this need or desire to connect with the spiritual uh, will lead them to do other things that mimic spirituality. Mm -hmm. um, and often, often in, the, in you know, high school, college years, those are risky behaviors that have a short-term high, a yeah. short-term you know, return um, that actually in the long run can be detrimental. So backing up, we have these conversations with our kids and they start asking questions about goodness or about somebody not being nice at school or why does God let this happen? They can ask some really big questions at a pretty young age. Yeah. What, you know, why do people have to die? Why is grandma sick? You know, and they're not, not necessarily conversations that we want to run to as parents. <laughs> you know, like, yep. I'd rather or talk about yeah. the latest Disney movie or something. Like, give me a topic that's easier. <laughs> um, but we, if we can engage them, we're going to help them fill that, that desire that got put them in them for the, the spiritual. They're going to fill mm -hmm. it with the ultimate spiritual, which is God. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then our hope is to nurture that then into adulthood. Um, so good, good behavior is not enough, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't meet that need. Um, it's a nice goal in terms of being a nice member of society, but in terms of fulfilling your potential as a part of God's creation, it's just just a little piece, mm -hmm. not the whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. This is sure. why we pay Sarah millions of dollars. Millions. <laughs> You can tell by my <laughs> fine clothes, millions of dollars. Millions of Monopoly dollars. So, um, yeah. But we're very thankful that you would be here okay. with us. Um, I, I just always want to encourage you to send in any questions, any comments, any things that you want us to discuss on the podcast. Um, we're always looking to tailor this to you. So, um, Or if you're at church, let me know. Come talk to me. Um, I'm happy to take any feedback. Um, if you haven't subscribed yet, whether you're on any of the major podcast platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on YouTube, um, make sure you hit that subscription button 
And uh, one of the most helpful things you can do is to leave a review so that other people can know uh, whether or not they should spend their time with us. So um, thank you for spending your time with us, whether you're listening or watching. And as always, I hope you have a wonderful and blessed day. Da, da, da.